lots and lots of spoilers. Television. That glass and plastic monolith that brought us joy, raised our children, and made it clear to us how bad our armpits smell. TV. In the words of one H. Simpson, teacher, mother, secret lover. TV. Here at Max Mike Movies, we're starting a brand new series, just in time for sweeps. Look it up, kids. I made from TV Love You, a series about movies that were based on old, beloved, or at least old, TV shows. <laughs> and we're starting off with a bang, or at least a two-handed snap, with 1991's The Addams Family, an adaptation of a 1964 TV show that took its character designs from the cartoons of the rather bizarre artist Charles Adams. I am your neat, sweet, if not very petite, host, Max Levine, and over there, getting his witch's shawl on and trying to crawl onto a broomstick, and failing miserably, is your host, Mike Luce. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa! Uh, oh, ow. You're right there. Ow. And today, ow. we've got a very special guest, all the way from Goderdauerungstrasse Dorf Heimberg, Herr Joseph Franz Josef von Halbwitz. Thank you very much. Oh, by the way, it's Goderdauerungstrasse Dorf Heimberg Stadt. Oh, excuse me. Don't worry excuse about me. it. My bad. I always yes. mispronounce that. Yes. And uh, Herr Halbwitz is joining us here because of uh, very important reasons in that he happened to be walking by and I had a microphone. Ah! <laughs> I believe it was because of stuff and reasons. Possibly reasons and or stuff. I do have one question, though. Is he, in fact, in focus? He is in focus. Ah, good. So, yes, I, I have that going for me. <laughs> he does. Uh, is it Dr. or Mr. Halbwitz? It's Herr von Halbwitz. Herr is von Halbwitz, all right. right. Oh, should I say Dr. von Scott? <laughs> it's been a long time since high school German. You have to, you have to excuse me if you've heard, yeah. Uh, but don't we have a question to go over there? We do. We have uh, last, the last trivia question. Oh, trivia. <laughs> Poll question. Uh, what movie, what is a movie that everyone else just seems to love but you either hate or at least just find meh and wonder what all the hubbub is about, bub. And we got a bunch of answers off of this. This is something people feel pretty strongly about. Mm. From Ned, my godson, as for movies I just don't get, 2001 A Space Odyssey didn't really do it for me. I could tell it was beautiful and liked it as a work of art, but it seemed cold and abstract to the point of not being relatable. Maybe it's a generational thing. Yeah, thank you. I've grown up knowing <laughs> that computers aren't our friends and that aliens may very well be entirely inscrutable. Or snapper. I, no. I, I don't think he's wrong. No, he's It not. is not a heartwarming family tale of a poor Polish girl as she sings her way across. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, uh, so, and so many of other uh, Kubrick movies are. Yeah, no, you know, I love it. Love a good Kubrick musical. That's yep, a, yep. one of my favorite now, genres. It, I get it there. 2001 is one of those movies that either just works for you or it really doesn't. Hmm. From our international House of Pancakes uh, a correspondent, Vince, from up Canada ways, if you believe that's a real country. <laughs> one film everyone loved. That's what they told you? That's what they told me. 
One film everyone loved and I can't stand is The Color Purple. I think the performances were great, but I thought Spielberg used Whoopi Goldberg like E.T. Ouch. She was treated like a prop, and they cut the lesbian stuff from the book out, well, most of it, there's a little. And it was just all the worst inclinations Spielberg had at the time. The uplifting ending made me ill. It just seemed like a movie about black experience made by white people, which it was. <laughs> I know it's beloved, but to me, it was offensive. Disclaimer, I do not represent all Canadians or Quebecers. So there you go. Uh, I never saw The Color Purple. Um, it was one of those films that you were not only supposed to see it, you're supposed to like it. Yeah, and I saw it when it I, came out, and that's kind of how I felt. It's like, well, if I don't like this movie, I'm racist. Therefore, See, I avoided that by not seeing it. <laughs> therefore, I'm only half racist. Uh, I, I got to say, you know, if you for me, if you look at Spielberg's career, he's that capital S Spielberg, the man, whatever. He's amazingly hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, uh, ready player one. I'm just, <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but so yeah, Mike color purple from Mike, the wheeze dance. Oh, come on. <laughs> the star Wars Christmas special too easy. Mike, you're going to have to come up with another answer. <laughs> one of these days. I thought I did. I didn't think I sent that one to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the wheeze, if you want an actual apology, I'll give it to you, but it was your house. You could have turned it off anytime you wanted. And heck, even when I saw it when it came out, I didn't get as far as we did. I could smell that thing just like stinking in the garbage can. And it's like, hey, maybe Donnie and Marie's on. <laughs> so uh, Geneva Brunetti says, into the wild. Oh, wow. I think that gets her expelled from, the, from being a woman. You don't like that movie. I haven't read the book. Yes, I know. But the movie was so incredibly underwhelming for me, despite Emile Hirsch. Also, F. K. Stu. I believe she means Kristen Stewart. She does. Which by by that, she means line. Line? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, she's really good. I think she's something she just came out with her in it. It's a biopic. Apparently, she's really good. I think she actually is she the one playing uh, Princess Die? Yes, she is. Apparently, she's really good. I have seen her in things she was not terrible in. That's not good enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) anyway, Uh, keep going. Matthew Reisman, Scott Pilgrim. Huh. Mm. I understand why people like it, but I think it's really unpleasant to watch. I actually like to hear more about the. Well, I mean, there is that. It has a very defining actor in it, Michael Sarah. Yeah, if you don't and like Michael, Michael Sarah, and a lot of people don't. Well, uh, he is, you know, moist. he's very soft and wet. Yes. <laughs> Amy Paulson has a particularly um, controversial one. Every Marvel movie, yikes! But especially yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's charming. I don't think it's compelling. All the characters are annoying and unlikable except Groot, and he probably only gets a pass because he doesn't know enough words to be as smarmy as everybody else. Wow, bold choice. Yeah. Not everyone likes everything. From, from Val, I share chromosomes with Mike Coons, uh, three immediately come to mind. There's something about Mary, mm. American Pie, and Pulp Fiction. Mm. Wow, one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> <laughs> Did not think the first two were funny at all. Pulp Fiction has a ton of problems for me, including that there isn't one character I could ne- connect to or even care about. See our episode on Pulp Fiction. Please. Interesting. 
Yeah, I saw American Pie in the theater. Um, interestingly, and not surprisingly, it was full of teenagers. Oh. Uh, I wasn't. <laughs> you weren't full of teenagers? And, no, I was not. Um, I find it dopely amusing. Like, I get it. I also see why it would annoy the crap out of people. But, I mean, if nothing else, it gave us Stifler's mom. Okay. <laughs> So, Jennifer Coolidge uh, is awesome, but yeah, I'm yeah. afraid I never saw something about Mary or American Pie. My, something about Mary is those that those brothers. Remember they did. Remember we. Oh, uh, Far- uh, Farrelly brothers. Yeah, 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 it's them. And I didn't know who that he was. So Ben Stillerish at the time, but it has Ben Stiller. Yeah. So now I won't watch it. But Jamie Kleinert, more of a genre, really. The Blair Witch Project, Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, The Ring, and any and every horror flick ever made, pretty much with generous exceptions made for Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness. Okay, that's a very important uh, distinction there. Well, it has Bruce Campbell. It does have Bruce Campbell. (laughs) And the chin. Yes, Bruce Campbell, if chins could kill. Yeah. Uh, I'm not big on horror films. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh, Richard Tatum, I Heart Huckabees. Hmm. I always liked the title. I never saw the movie. Uh, Valerie Kellner says, This may or may not be controversial, but I'm afraid I didn't enjoy Rogue One at all. Valerie, that is not controversial at all. Some of the characters were neat, but I felt the story didn't do enough with them, and a lot of them felt flat. I was bored through most of the movie, and the ending felt like a cop-out. It was like they just didn't want to deal with the characters or their continuity anymore outside the movie, which I think is a shame. It had potential. I was really excited for what I thought was going to be a sort of Star Wars-style heist movie, but none of it came together for me. I've heard people swear by it. Like, I'm glad it worked for them, but boy, it didn't work for me. Yeah, it didn't work for me either. I've heard people swear at it. Yeah, it's I, you really don't care. And they picked a lead who looked exactly like Ray from Force Awakens, so I was confused. Mm. And then they literally take like 10 years out of her life and they never tell you what she did during it. They're just yep. like, remember when she was a little girl and now she's in jail. What for? Never mind, we're <laughs> moving on. Okay. but George uh, Saulnier, I hate Requiem for a Dream. It's as manipulative and gimmicky as a mid to late Spielberg but instead of Capra-esque heartwarming, it's grotesque and depressing. So it must be art with a capital A. It's not. It's depressing, manipulative bleep. Oh, and <laughs> guess what the moral is? Drugs are bad. Or, excuse me, mm, drugs are bad. <laughs> Whoa, really? Thanks. I won't get into Aronofsky's weird anti-lesbian obsession. Wow. Okay. <laughs> George, you feel strongly about this one. I admit, I've never seen this movie. I've never seen Requiem for a Dream. It, 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 I, I, now I'm not sure I'm going to. <laughs> I think I won't. Uh, Kate Warner, oh, so many. <laughs> the one I will get the most grief for is Forrest Gump. Maybe it's because I was like 20 when I saw it the first time and it was so overhyped, or maybe I'm just not American enough, but I just don't get it. I'm just not a fan. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Kellner, wow. Citizen Kane. Burn the heretic. (laughs) (laughs) I see good things in it, but I just don't enjoy it. Okay, talk about your bold statement. Uh, Sorry for using your real name there, Tony. You might want to change it. (laughs) To be fair, I understand where she's coming from. I can see why she would think there were good things in it, and there are, and still not find the movie enjoyable. I don't know if Citizen Kane is enjoyable. 
I think it was very well made and very brilliantly made, but I can definitely see why people will go, yeah, great. I don't like this film. So. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Steve Kellner writes, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Yeah, boy, Spielberg is just getting dumped on. People <laughs> well, fell in love with that damn movie, but even in the theater, all I could see was the plot machinery and overt button pushing. It felt manipulative. I left angry and annoyed. Yeah, you know, kind of see that. Yeah. Um, it was very charming. Um I, I, I think one of the problems is is that that formula, because there is kind of a Spielberg formula, mm-hmm. if you will, hadn't been as overused then. But looking back now, you're like, well, it's uh, I've seen this. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in a very long time. I honestly don't know how it would hold up walkie-talkies versus guns or not. Well, the heck with that. Yeah. Uh, strangely, one of my favorite of his films, which is Close Encounters, holds up very well. Hmm. Um, it's me. just post-Jaws, so he's kind of got that same, well, there's this movie and then this movie and somehow they go together thing going on, but it's really character driven. Um, you get, uh, Oh God, what Richard Dreyfus as, uh, yeah, as yep. Roy, Bad- Roy Patty. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a great performance by him. Um, it's a really great performance. I mean, there's no bad performances, but here's this driven guy. Anyway, mm. I like that film yep. a lot, but again, Spielberg is very hit or miss. From uh, Nick Hoffman, Annie Hall. Hmm. Okay. I remember, Mike, he was outraged with that movie when it beat Star Wars for Best Picture. Yeah, it also has one other major problem. A lot of people overlook this, but I kind of can't. Would that be Woody Allen? Yes, it would. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it would, if you will. That's kind of a problem, yeah. Yeah, I just never liked him. Even when we find out the reasons he's so creepy, I'm just like, why... He makes me itchy. Like, you're at a party, this guy comes up to talk to you, and it's like, oh, the shrimp dip! And you just, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And uh, finally, Brian Mundo, I seem to be the opposite. I always love movies that make others go meh. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, he's he's a very sweethearted guy. So, I want to thank you all for for your responses. I think they they were fast. Hell, I think we could do an entire show just based on the responses. We could. And speaking of which, Max, mm. what's your film that everyone just loves? And you're like, oh, yes. Cinema. Honestly, uh, going back, I, I agree. It was, for me, it was Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, mm. when I first saw it, just flat out pissed me off. And it wasn't <laughs> just because it beat out Pulp Fiction, sorry, folks, for uh, Best Picture. It was... <sighs> It bothers it bothers me these movies that are glorification of stupid or simple. Like oh, intelligent people are all awful. You have to be the fool to be uh, a decent person. And it it was very gimmicky with the whole splicing in of actual historical figures. And I'm I'm sorry to bring him back, but Woody Allen had already done that really well in a movie called Zelig about seven okay. years previously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I. I it just bothered me. I, I didn't. I, I just wanted to slap that movie. I, I love Tom Hanks, but I just wanted to slap that movie. I felt more that the message was, even if, though he was simple, he was a good person. And so I didn't get the same thing you did, although I can certainly see why you and a number of other people I talked to felt that way. Um, the big problem I had, and I didn't have this initially, but I do now, is, of course, 
I can't help but wonder if Mr. Zemeckis gave a lot of people that might be in the news industry a keen idea. It's like, oh, wait, we have the technology to alter history? Yeehaw! Uh, so, yeah, because... Uh, hmm. um, so what about you? About what's, the, uh, what's, me? What's, yeah, what's a movie uh, you, you don't like that everyone else loves and that then we can justly mock you for? Uh, the Princess Bride. I, and it's not that I don't like it. I, I don't I don't dislike it. I just don't like it. It's like I saw everyone was like, oh, Princess Bride. <laughs> and okay, it's fine. Um, I don't think much of the acting in it's very good. I mean, you know, to be fair, it's Andre the Giant. He wasn't exactly <laughs> an actor. Um, poor Billy My Crystal is, is under sporting. 50. Huh? My way is not very sporting. <laughs> uh, poor Billy Crystal's under 50 pounds of makeup. Uh, Carol Kane. Um, I, I love Peter Falk, but quite honestly, Peter Falk knows one note. He just <laughs> plays it very, very well. Um, Fred Savage is fine. I, I, it's just, and what's his name? Carrie Elwes. It's fine. I just, it didn't go for my heart. So, okay, that's fair. Uh, uh Mr. Uh, I'm sorry, Herr von Halbwitz. Uh, you were not given this script ahead of time, but uh, do you have a film that you're like, why does people? Why do people like this? What, what's wrong with people? Well, let, let me. I, 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 I don't. Ah, prepare. You know, I've been thinking about it, and um, none springs to mind. Now, I don't have the finer tastes in artsy film that some people do, um, and I'd have to say that I'm with your listener who doesn't do horror. I mean, the real world's pretty scary enough. I just do not watch horror movies no matter how good, quote-unquote, they are. The whole zombie genre, what have you. I only watch them if they're really bad. Because <laughs> they're fun to make fun of. But Popping yeah. zombies are fun. Yeah. I, I fall for this, you know, the jump scream every yeah. time. It's like, do-do-do-do-do-do. Pete? Is that you? <laughs> and you know it's coming because the music stopped and the actor is basically pointing off screen going, that's where he's coming from. And suddenly Pete, who's now had half his face chewed off by a weasel, goes, <laughs> and I always fall for it. So I get it. But, uh, uh, we Face chewing weasels. That was a classic. Uh, and face chewing weasels too, which was actually the better of the nah, series. I don't know. I always thought that was a little derivative. But anyway, yeah. Well, that was so Europe, nothing so specific. Was okay. Uh, so uh, th that's last week. What about next week? Oh no, this week yeah, the was show's next week. over. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. I meant new poll question. Yep. Yep. Now, now my question for our question for uh, next week is: What is one of your absolute favorite pieces of movie casting? As in, you looked at the character, you looked at the actor chosen to play them, and just went, "Yeah, they could not have done better." So Nicolas Cage is Superman, for example. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, Lois. I'm going to beat Lex Luthor. <laughs> I think you guys actually already covered this one a few episodes back in your uh, whitewashing, and, and it's obvious it's um, John Wayne as Genghis Khan. Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, no one point. gives you the idea of Genghis Khan better than the Duke. <laughs> or me doing a really bad impersonation of the we, Duke. We, uh, you will watch the world turn black beneath the hooves of my horse. <laughs> the crown prince of bland. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you can answer that uh, poll question as you do every poll question in ways that we're not going to tell you right now. Speaking of the poll question, if I can interject real quick, there has been a uh, notation on the website that um, 
the poll question that you hear doesn't exactly match the poll question that you see. So when in doubt, answer the website, answer the Facebook page, answer the Twitter, because that's where the current one that we're going to be adding to the show is. As we record ahead a little bit, um, what you're hearing right now won't be new till then. Now uh, then. Right. <laughs> But Max, you yes. have some trivia, I hope, for oh, Adam's yes. family. Quite a bit on the Adam's family. The show. Hey, the budget $30 million. Worldwide gross $191 million. Oh, so, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. Not a big surprise that there was a sequel and a bunch of other stuff. Oh boy. As I said, the uh the show was the movie is based on the show, which is based on the works of Charles Adams, who you was a regular contributor to The New Yorker. Now, Adams, a lot of people like to think he was this strange, creepy guy who you know looked like Gomez, but he was apparently very sociable, very debonair. One of his biographers described him as being a well-dressed, courtly man with silvery, back-combed hair and a gentle manner. He bore no relation, no resemblance to a fiend. Hmm. He was apparently like a serious ladies' man. He used to go around with Greta Garbo, Joan Fontaine, and even Jackie Kennedy. Yeah, but wasn't Greta Garbo a famous ladies' man too? Shh. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> uh, he had been. He was married twice, and uh, apparent one of the reasons he was divorced was uh, he refused to have or adopt children, as apparently he hated small children. <laughs> I don't think that shows in his cartoons at all. Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, this movie is the directorial debut of Barry Sonnenfeld. Oh. Yes, best known for being a real hit or miss. This is the guy who did the Men in Black series and Wild Wild West. Ah. Yeah. Uh, he has a cameo in the movie. In the sequence where Gomez is playing with his trains, and right before two of them crash together, you see a little passenger look up and see Gomez laughing. That's Barry Sonnenfeld. Ooh. Now, the idea for this film came during a car ride, apparently. Scott Rudin, the head of production at 20th Century Fox, was riding in a van with some other company execs after a movie screening. And as in his words, everyone was there, Barry Diller, Leonard Goldberg, marketing chief Tom Sherrick, when Tom's kids started singing the Adams Family theme. And Rudin's told the, old, the Los Angeles Times, suddenly... Everyone in the van was singing the theme, letter perfect, note for note. And the next day, Rudin went into Diller and Goldberg and pitched the movie, and they went for it. Interesting that they left it entirely out of the film. Yeah, well... You don't hear anybody sing the theme. Well, no, but you do, and we'll get to this. You do hear MC Hammer commit uh, 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 atrocities against it. it it's just Hammer Oh, excuse at me, at point. that point it was just Hammer? Oh. I checked. <laughs> My, uh, my apologies to Mr. Hammer. Yeah, please, Hammer, don't hurt him. You, on the other hand, <laughs> yeah. yeah. After the movie premiered, children would frequently recognize Raul Julia as Gomez Adams out in public, which would be new to him because, you know, Raul Julia didn't do a lot of children's movies. No. <laughs> but apparently, no. according to him, that always brought a smile to his face. He said that playing Gomez Adams was his favorite role. And his family said the recognition was really meaningful to him in the final months of his life because he loved performing for children and making them happy whenever the opportunity presented itself. Aww. This was not Raul Julia's last film. His last film was, of course, the magnum opus Street Fighter. 
Uh, yeah. If I remember everything I heard about Raul, I don't, is it Julia or Julia? I Ju- don't even know. It's generally pronounced Julia. I don't know what it actually should have been. I heard that he was just a really nice guy. Everybody loved working with him. He was famous for that. He was incredibly mm. talented, and he was taken from us way too early. He died mm. at the age of 54 from a stroke. Ugh, that is way too yeah. soon. Um, according to Angelica Houston, Christina Ricci came up with Wednesday's sleeping position with her arms folded across her chest by herself. You get a lot of ideas that Christina Ricci just, it's that perfect match of actor and part. Yeah. And that, I, this is like her first big role. This, isn't it? it was. This this created her. This made her yeah. a star. And if, talk about, we'll get to this, but talk about just friggin' flawless casting. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know this from the show. The name Wednesday is a reference to the line in the Mother Goose poem, you know, Monday's child is fair sure. of face. Wednesday's, Wednesday's child is full of woe. Yeah. You didn't yeah. know that? I did not remember that line. Oh. I only, only remember the first two. Uh, Wednesday's middle name, by the way, is Friday. <laughs> yes, her name is Wednesday Friday Adams. Sure. Now, in the TV show, the 1964, Uncle Fester was Morticia's mother's brother, and his surname is never known. It's occasionally implied that he only has the one name. In this movie, and most subsequent interpretation, he's Gomez's brother. Uh. I don't know quite why they made this change, but it does make it a little simpler. For the plot. Uh, the things they had to do to Angelica Houston to make her look like Morticia. She had to wear a metal corset. Ooh. She also had to get gauze eye lifts, neck tucks, and fake nails daily. She told Entertainment Weekly, Come afternoon, I could be prone to a really good headache from my various bondages. And because I couldn't lie down in the corset or rest, it was fairly exhausting. That's no. how you know she, she sounds so darn English. Uh. Originally, the mamushka scene was supposed to be longer. The song, which we only get one line of, is a full song describing brotherly love in both Gomez and, es- and uh, Fester naming other famous brothers. The test screenings revealed the audiences thought the song brought the movie to a standstill. So it only shows an edited version uh, with only Gomez and Fester dancing and Gomez throwing knives at Fester. You can find the full song on the movie soundtrack. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the splash of tar from the opening gag is visible on the front of the Adams house throughout the rest of the movie. I didn't notice that. I just wondered what it was because I forgot that there was tar splash. The car, the Adams family car... That gorgeous, that is a 1932 Packard Twin Six, and I want Ooh. one. <laughs> Who's going to drive it? I don't know, because I'm sure oh. I could not. Oh, Herr von Halbwitz, do you have a license? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'd be more likely to be able to drive it than I would. Uh, this movie has an odd connection to the Godfather series. Bruno Kirby from Godfather 2, offered the fat suit that he wore in Godfather 2 to Christopher Lloyd to play Uncle Fester. So wait, this is the second appearance of the fat suit? Yep. I wonder if it has its own IMDb page. I think it does. (laughs) David Levy, who executive produced the TV show The Addams Family, filed a lawsuit against Paramount Pictures after the film was released. He claimed that a lot of the Addams Family character trademarks used in the film including Gomez's fascination with blowing up model trains, the characters of Thing and Cousin It, 
Lurch's fondness for playing the harpsichord and the tangos danced by Morticia and Gomez were original ideas created by him exclusively for the series, and they were not part of the original Charles Adams cartoons for which Paramount Pictures had purchased the movie rights. The lawsuit was later settled out of court. He kind of had a point. I mean, if nothing else, in the cartoons, the Adams Family characters didn't have names. No, but here's the thing. Generally, when you're doing this for a studio, you don't get to keep rights to anything. Yeah. So if you create something, it's in service to the studio, and it's up to the studio to decide whether or not they're going to pursue. So he may be right, but that's that's work for hire, folks. Uh, there was one thing in, that always puzzled me in the opening credits that I found out about. They thank someone called the Lady Colleton. The Lady Colleton is Barbara Barb, who was married to Charles Adams from 54 to 56. When they got divorced, she received the copyrights to some of his works as part of the divorce settlement. So they had to get them from her. She later remarried Henry Hopkinson, Baron Colleton. That's how she got the title. Ah. Ooh, I mean. (laughs) At the beginning of the movie, Gomez laments that it's been 25 years since Fester disappeared. This movie, released in 1991, came 25 years after The Addams Family was canceled in 1966. Ah. Which implied that once the show was canceled, Fester just left. <laughs> uh, I actually missed this. Herr von Halbwitz caught this, and I checked. During the party, the Mamushka party, one of the uh, partygoers is a little person who Herr, uh, von Halbwitz thought looked familiar and was correct. It's an uncredited Zelda Rubenstein from Poltergeist. You know, at oh. Tangina. They, this house is clean. If you, in the Mamushka scene, there's a sort of a chorus line, if you mm. will, of Adam's family members behind uh, Gomez and Fester. And yeah, and look, boy, she looks familiar. And She's off to the left, right, I believe. Correct. Mm. Yep. <clears throat> uh, the main theme was written and performed by Hammer, and it won a Razzie Award in the category of Worst Original Song. Good, because not only does it have dumb lyrics, but he repeats them over and over and over. Yeah, it's an incredibly uninteresting song. Uh, The actors were concerned about the ambiguity of the Big Fester storyline. Initially, it was going to be unknown if Gordon, the man suffering from memory loss, who happens to look like Fester, was Fester. The cast members actually got Christina Ricci to make an impassioned plea to Scott Rudin and Barry Sonnenfeld two weeks before shooting that Fester should not be an imposter. Sonnenfeld remembered that the only cast member who didn't care was Christopher Lloyd, the guy who played (laughs) Fester. Yeah, well... There's a bunch of other stuff, but I think that's more than enough. Yeah. So, the plot. The plot. They're creepy and they're kooky, certainly. One cannot argue that they are not mysterious and spooky, but are they, in fact, altogether ooky? We're speaking, of course, about the Adams family. 1991 sees the loving Adams family living their usual macabre lifestyle, which, of course, to them seemed perfectly normal, sorrowing only over the long absence of Uncle Fester due to a breach between him and his brother Gomez. Suddenly, Fester returns, but all is not well. A fake psychiatrist has forced Gomez's crooked lawyer to present her son Gordon as Fester. 
Gordon, oddly enough, bears an uncanny resemblance to the missing Fester. The family, being largely remarkably dim or naive, welcomes this imposter with open arms, although Gomez and Wednesday remain suspicious at first, but are eventually won over by Gordon slash Fester's knowledge of arterial blood spurts and an odd semi-Slavic dance number. But is this man an imposter? What nefarious plot is afoot? And are they really a scream, this Adams family? The low down. That's pretty much it. The plot is not really the point of this movie. Uh, it's not? It's not. Well, then what is the point of the movie? Zany jokes and probably the greatest casting of any movie in history. I mean, I know this is giving away some, but I, I, I cannot off the top of my head think of a movie where every major part is so perfectly cast. My God, Raul Julia, is he just is Gomez Adams. Angelica Houston runs away with every scene she's in as Morticia. Christopher Lloyd is terrific as Fester. Christina Ricci, literally, they, they might have written the part for her if it hadn't existed 25 years before. I, I was just going to say that I pitied the poor kid playing Pugsley, whose name I can't remember because none of us can. Yeah. Jimmy Workman. Thank you for trying to go up against young Christina Ricci. Mm. Yeah, she unfortunately well, blows him off the screen. But honestly, the character of Pugsley is never very interesting no. in any of the incarnations. By the way, young Jimmy went on to work, to do some other acting, but mostly he worked in transportation. Oh? You look No, if you look on uh, his IMDb, he's like transportation captain for this movie, transportation coordinator for this movie. <laughs> so oh, he no. drove the he, shuttle bus. Yeah, he drove people around a lot. Yeah. But he stayed in the business. Yeah. yeah, why not? He looks familiar. I meant to look him up, and it's like, I swear, as a kid, child actor, he was in something else, and I just can't place him. The, the woman who played uh, Mama, or in the TV show, it's Grandmama, uh, I, she's actually been in, a, she's been in like Dog Day Afternoon and uh, 60s movies. Uh, not, again, worked really well, and I, I never remember his name, the guy who plays Lurch. Oh, um, it's uh, Carol Stroykin. Carol Stroykin, who... He has the look perfectly. You can kind of understand, though, in the show, originally Lurch is a speaking part. He had his own catchphrase, you know, you rang Mr. Adams. Or, and in Most this, they make him silent, were... and it works. And of course, we well, all know we all know Carol from his uh, parts as Mr. Hom from Star Trek The Next Generation. Where he has one line. One line. And uh, the giant from Twin Peaks, where he has several lines that just don't make any sense. Uh, Lurch in the original series, most he did talk occasionally. Mostly, all he said was, uh. <laughs> um, "So the fact that they didn't expand the part doesn't really matter that much." So, and Christopher Lloyd is just so much fun as Fester. Well, when is he not? Yeah, fun? really. I mean, there's, there, I'm sure there's a film somewhere that Christopher Lloyd in is, and he's not fun. But I have yet to see it. So, and I gotta say the the uh, visuals. The way it looks is so good. It just really both updates and captures uh, the, the look of the show. It's funny, the opening fonts the fir- of the credits, the first thing I thought was, is this a Tim Burton movie? Yeah. A lot of people think that, by the way, and originally Tim Burton was supposed to direct it, but he, he ended up not doing it. So this is in no way a Tim Burton movie. 
I disagree. I think it's oh. very much a Tim Burton <laughs> movie. Uh, they just got it for a lot cheaper than if they had been able to hire Mr. Ah. Burton. And I just was like, man, if they had not made Beetlejuice, they would not have made this film, or at least they would not have made it like this. Because, yeah. boy, did it stank of Beetlejuice and Tim Burton. Um, thankfully, I think it's actually toned down from Tim Burton, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I was one of the things I noticed is the film starts in Christmas, and I was like, "Ah, it's a Christmas movie!" Um, and the opening gag, I think, but I'm not positive, was an actual Adams Family. One hundred percent, it absolutely. There are several okay. moments in the movie that are taken right out of the cartoons. That is one of them. It's yeah. almost the only time you hear the real theme. Yeah, you yeah. They quote it right there when they're about to take the pot. That's yeah. it. Until yeah. Mr. Hammer <laughs> interprets it anew for us. <laughs> and he smacks it like his namesake over and over. And yeah. we, the audience, are the thumb. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Um, I don't remember. And I did. Actually, I went back and watched some of the original episodes of the show. And I didn't remember the original Adams as being quite that sexy before there is implications <laughs> that basically gomez is like we need to go off and hump like bunnies right now except it's the 60s and we can't say hump and we can't say bunnies oh, so no. i'll <laughs> he was always he was always all over morticia especially whenever she spoke french yeah but like there is a level of sexiness in this film that's definitely not <laughs> 60s level uh, and you mentioned earlier talking, I think, in the trivia, um, was this considered a children's film? Yeah, I don't. It, I honestly, was. it was okay. It was I honestly didn't know because I was watching this and like, who's it for? That was one of my questions: is who is this movie for? And I wasn't sure. Yeah, um, no, it's it was considered, if not for children, then at least child friendly. Yeah, you can tell by the language. My, yeah. I, uh, you answered one of my, my note questions, which was, how did they get Christopher Lloyd to look so huge? And now we know it's the Bruno Kirby Memorial Fat Suit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, maybe we can, uh, we'll do a whole series on the Bruno Kirby Memorial Fat Suit. <laughs> or we won't. I gotta say, Angelica Houston's delivery in this movie, every line she says is so perfect. I mean, just... When she's talking, reading aloud the family motto, she says in the Latin, and then we gladly feast on those who would destroy us. Not just pretty words. <laughs> Again, I went back and watched some shows, and uh, Carolyn Jones, who, who originated the role, same thing, a different way. Hmm. But she, too, she's really the head of the family. Oh, Gomez yeah. thinks he is, but he's not. <laughs> no, she's definitely the, she's the one who sees the way things are. Yeah. A little better. I mean, the part of the, the humor of the Adams family is their colossal naivete. The right. fact that they not only, they just assume everyone, it, it's so strange because they're so violent or they, they, they're so, you know, blasé about violence and death, but they always assume everyone is nice. And they're nice. Yeah. They're actually very nice people. They're very generous, especially in the TV show. They're giving stuff away all the time. Okay, who wants a Marlin head with a leg sticking out of it? Well, you know. I would. <laughs> but they're actually very nice. And there's one thing that was very true of the cartoons, or at least it was supposed to be, and the original show. And here, they kind of go over the line a few times. And that's that the Adams Family is never supposed to be actually evil. They're just macabre. They're dark. 
But when Pugsley takes the stop sign down and they all <laughs> huddle together waiting for the school bus to crash into something, it's like, <sighs> I mean, it's funny, but it felt like they were they were darkening the Adams family a little bit. A much little. To then me. the implication that uh, Gomez's toy trains are somehow actually causing real trains to crash. Or do they just have little tiny people that move mm, in them? We don't know. I, no. Um, there, there's that 60s magic going on, right? Because we have tons of magic in 60s TV. We oh, yeah. I Dream of Genie and Bewitched. The Monsters. And that, oh, that, that other monster show. Yeah. yeah. Um, strangely came out the same year. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, I did not oh. know they were the same year. I knew they were the same, the roughly the same period. I 1964. Spent, I spent most of my childhood wishing for a crossover episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't think they actually did that, even with Scooby Doo. Um, yeah, but, it's, fu- uh, it's funny. Scooby Doo met the Adams family. He never met the Munsters. No, well, the Munsters were owned by Universal. Oh, okay. Because that was basically them taking their own property and going, uh, well, let's make it goofy. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. And, and so I, t- I didn't, I couldn't find any information about this. I looked up uh, information on both shows. It's like was one copying the other because both of them had. History. There were some. I, there were some complaints about that. Uh, some sniping back and forth. That uh, one, each one accused the other of co- being a copycat. Except that the tone of them are so different. One, the big thing with the monsters is they wanted to act. They thought they were like everybody else. Right. The well, Adams family doesn't understand why everyone isn't like them. Hmm. They are much um, more insular, and they're much more. Convinced that they're macabre way of, you know, Herman had a job, right. and Eddie went to normal school. Well, Wednesday goes to normal yeah, school yeah, about yeah. once. Well, the, the, the Adamses <laughs> were much more upper class, at least in terms mm. of money, than the Munsters. Right. The yeah. Munsters were firmly middle class. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know? I, I didn't know this until I looked this up. Do you realize how far back the Adams family comics went? Oh, I think it was in, let's see, the 30s, 40s? 1938. Yeah. I had no idea they were that old. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly, with the Munsters, there was an idea with Bob Clampett, one of the original animators for the Looney Tunes, to do a very similar show like this back in the 40s. So again, both of these ideas had been percolating. Whether it was happenstance, eh, I don't know, but... Even though it's, I never saw them originally, I was too young, but in reruns, it was always like, well, isn't this just the same thing? I mean, it wasn't, but, um, the people, the, the cast of the Munsters actually thought they were doing social satire. Hmm. Okay. okay. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, Herman does have a very famous speech. People keep quoting these days mm. about what you look like doesn't matter what color your skin is, you know, because I think Eddie was, well, at least, or no, Lily was green, which you didn't know because the show started in black and white. Oh, and it was always in black and white. Oh, I thought, I thought it ended up in color. No. One of the ill-fated attempts to revive Oh, the movies, yes. Yeah. Munsters Today and other such abominations, those are in color, but yeah, the TV series is black and white. Okay. I'm unsure. Speaking of which, the uh, the Adams family had um, quite the history on the small and big screen. Ones that I'm like, oh, wait, yeah. really? So of course we went from the show, which is sixty four to sixty six, to yeah. the new Scooby Doo movies in nineteen seventy two, which had not only John Aston, the original uh, Gomez, and Carolyn Jones doing their voices. A very odd choice for Pugsley. Uh-huh. 
Jodie Foster. What? Played Pugsley Adams in the cartoon. Uh, then the Adams Family got its own show, the Adams Family Funhouse in 73, mm-hmm. then Adams Family 73 74, Halloween with the new Adams Family 77, uh, mm-hmm. the Adams Family movie 91. Uh, do you remember the Adams Family musical in 2010? I do not, but if I remember, I read about it. Nathan Lane and B.B. Yep. Newworth are the are Gomez and Morticia. Yep. <laughs> I like, kind of would have liked what? to see that. Yeah, uh, apparently it won a couple of Tonys. Wow. <laughs> so, whatever. Um, I guess there's been, pretty much every decade, there's except for the 80s, there's been an Adams Family thing. Yeah, the, this, the recently there, there was a, an animated movie and there's a sequel to it coming out. Do you remember in 98 there was a um, Adams Family reunion starring Tim Curry and Daryl Hannah? I heard about it. I don't believe I ever watched it. Uh, Christina Iwerchi was in it, too. Uh, oh, wow. oh, no, that's Adam's of Value. Sorry, never mind. Oh. Uh, I, I can't help but wonder if it wasn't sort of the Adam's Family Holiday Special, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I would, they, they had an Adam's Family Holiday Special with the original cast. I remember seeing this. And Starship? Uh, no. And Leslie Uggams? It, they should have. Yeah. <laughs> And, and uh, Paul Williams and Go- yeah. Gomez's other brother shows up, who I thought should have been named Itchy or Lumpy, but was in fact, <laughs> I, uh, I think it was Sancho. Oh, I thought it would have been Chip or a meal. Oh, that, <laughs> no, that's no, a deeper. Was, as someone pointed out, it was yet another uh, Spanish first name on a guy with an English last name who was turned on by French. Mm. Um. I want to. So the the main part of this plot, if you haven't seen the film, it's thirty years old. Too bad. Yeah. Uh, the whole point of this plot, as you pointed out in trivia, has to deal with the fact that oh, there's people out to get the Adams money, and they're going to do so by having this guy Gordon, uh, who bears a quote striking resemblance <laughs> to Fester Adams end yeah. quote. Although it turns out, oh no, it's actually him. There's no real point for Gordon becoming or transitioning or whatever into Fester. He just suddenly is like, I want to go play with the kids. Like he doesn't get hit in the head. He doesn't, you know, any of those old tropes. It's just like he's following what his mother tells him until he decides to go play with the kids. Well, the idea is being home, being in the house is starting to trigger emotions and memories for him. It's not played up very much, and the change is very sudden. Yeah. I mean, it literally is from one scene to the next. Yeah. But I think that's the idea. That didn't bother me too much. They, for me, it's just like, what, what's the reason for this? Why, why, why is he suddenly changing? And I can understand why he signs like, oh, I'm not going to listen to you anymore, mother. It's like, okay, I get that yeah. part. But even then, he's like still very, very Gordon at the end of the film. Like the Mumushka, he suddenly comes alive and he knows the entire dance. But yeah. There's like, there's yep. just no reason. Um, Mumushka, by the way, kind of... is a kind of Ukrainian cuisine. Ooh. <laughs> I hope but, it's tasty. But yeah, that, that's the thing. It's, we're up to that point. We're supposed to, it's okay. We're sort of, oh, he's slowly coming back. He's getting the idea. Out of nowhere, he knows the full choreography, including how to swallow swords all of a sudden. And yet, it's not enough for him to go, oh, of course, I remember now. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, Herr von Hall. I was just going to say, so you guys have a problem with the subtleties <laughs> of the character arc 
in a movie about the Adams family. Just want to make sure I'm, I'm understanding this. Yes, y yes, we do. Okay. Y yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, and Max will back me up on this. Even if it's for children, that doesn't mean it can't be written well. Yeah, and it, has, okay. it should have some internal consistency. That's all. It's because kids do catch catch that sort of thing. And let's face it, they do one of the things that we've been kind of waiting for, a signature fester thing, is eventually he gets hit with electricity and suddenly, you know, like they could have done that. It couldn't have been as simple as that. Like maybe Pugsley is playing a joke on him and accidentally shocks him and he's sort of like, oh, wait, oh, explosions, we, I like explosions. Or we know something. the kids Anything. have their own electric chair. Right. It just needs time to warm up. I just, I do, I love that line. Oh, so we're going to play a game. Pugsley says, what game? And Wednesday, you know, Christina Ricci just gives that perfect look and goes, it's called, Is There a God? And she's utterly perfect. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, she's what, 10? Kind of. She was 11 when she made this movie. I, I don't think I've seen that kind of depth ever out of a child actor except for the girl who played Newt in Aliens who I know I think basically went on to not act anymore. Well, Haley um, Joel Osment I think in the sixth sense. Yeah. Well in court poor poor Haley. Um just took that part and just made it hers. And in fact the second film is arguably a a film about the Adams family. Yeah. And Wednesday. Yeah. She she makes that second. The second film, it's kind of a rehash of the first in some ways, yeah. except for her. Her storyline could have been the whole movie. There's that one scene, and we, we didn't watch it for this this show, but there's that one scene where she's basically forced to smile. Yeah. And it's the <laughs> most uncomfortable thing. It's horrifying. And and Christina Ricci does it perfectly because she's, you can tell she's trying. And when, when she does it, it hurts her more than the people looking at it. Yeah, but the people um, looking at it are like, some of them start to cry. And like, yeah. like what is she doing? Yeah. I want to ask, I don't know if you remember this, Max, the, uh, the Girl Scout who comes up to her, they're trying to sell yeah. lemonade. Is that actress the same one who plays one of the girls? Yes, the it is. Film? That is Mercedes okay. McNabb. And she plays the head snotty blonde. She also goes up to play Harmony on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Ah, but okay, yes, that so. is you're, you that you caught it. That's that's her. Okay. Um, I, a question for both of you, gentlemen. Do you think the movie's funny? It's not laugh out loud. Um, you know, blazing saddles. What's up, Doc? Funny. Um, it's certainly amusing. Um, I think one finds. I found myself waiting for beats that came from the original series or even the cartoons. Hmm. Uh, it's certainly not a tragedy or uh, <laughs> or, or an action-adventure romp. Um, I think amusing would be the word I would pick. Uh, see, I think it's just funny. I think it still holds up. Pretty much everything Raul Julia or Angelica Houston said, every one of their jokes, I thought just landed perfectly. I, when... Uh, their lawyer, Tully, who is played beautifully by Dan Hedaya, who is made to play sleazy lawyers. He did seem kind of perfect. Yeah, when he's talking, when he's trying to play up the Fester Adams offshore account fund. You know, Fester Adams, yes, loved animals, kind to children, and Gomez just throws off, they never proved anything, and then they keep going. <laughs> yeah. That still cracks me up. Yeah. Okay, I've got to, yeah, the timing and the, and a lot of the... Uh 
little throwaway lines like that. Those, those were funny, and they were very well done. When uh, Gomez is talking about the combination of the vault, you know, two, ten, eleven, eyes, fingers, toes. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I think went over a bunch of kids' heads. Yeah, yeah probably. Uh, uh, wait, how many do I have? Uh, <laughs> I think it's yeah. funny. It makes me laugh. Um, we, uh, had, do have a question or two for sure. this series. Um, one of which was, does this film, <laughs> is this film so mighty that it can lay low the <laughs> mountains of the earth? <laughs> no, it is not as so mighty as all that. Um, no, one of the questions is, does this film capture the feeling of its source material? And in this case, I'm going to say the source material because of the series yeah. is the TV show, yeah. not as much the De- comics. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. I think it does. I think it really does. It captures a lot of it. It captures the macabre nature. It captures the weird, off-kilter humor. And it also captures one of the nicest things about the show. The thing I always... I never realized when I was a kid why I liked that show so much better than The Munsters. The relationship between Gomez and Morticia is so sweet. They were one of the few married couples on TV who always got along. Mm. and their love for each other was so obvious and so clear. Yeah. It was, it was just, re- it's always nice to watch, and I think that comes across in this just as much. A bit much uh, BDSM for a kid's movie for my <laughs> taste, but, you know. <laughs> the pain wheel, okay. I, I, um, do, I do like when they've got Morticia on the rack and Tully is turning the crank and she just looks at him and goes, you've done this before. <laughs> Yeah. I hope that's, that went over the kids' heads. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was asking who this movie was for, because it's not... Uh, yeah. I think yeah, those jokes were moments. for the parents. Sure, sure. Um, I think it's definitely... Like, there was no chance that somebody said, I'm going to make a real Adams Family <laughs> movie, and you ain't seen... That. It's nothing yeah. like that. It feels very much... Even though the, the portrayals are different... They're still very much referencing the show. And um, with the exception of a couple of updated things, and it's really not much, it feels very much like an idea that could have been done on the show. Or they, Well, they wouldn't have done a two-parter back then. Um, but I, I think it does, too. I think it very much. The, the second question I had, and if you have others, by all means, um, does this film respect its source material? Oh, I think definitely. Yeah. And it respects it, and... It doesn't rehash it or beat it to death. There were um, a, a number of cute shout-outs to the series, like at the very end, the little throwaway with Fester putting the light bulb in his mouth and it lighting up. They did that mm-hmm. all the time in the series. And, of course, and the train crashes, but they didn't depend on them or just rehash them. Um, I don't know. First series of Star Trek Next Generation did <clears throat> Ah, did you like that episode? Because we're going to do it again <laughs> and again. Yeah. yeah. What, did, what did you think? Uh, I'd same thing. It's yeah. you can you can get to the point where you're doing fan service, and that's always bad. Mm. And that's when you take something that you know the fan loves, fans love, and put it in just because they love it. It doesn't have any bearing on the plot. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily fit a scene, but you got to have that catchphrase. You have to have Chachi come up going, wah, 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 yeah, yeah. for reasons nobody understands. And I don't feel that there was any of that. So not only did they respect it, they took something that really could have not worked 
from 25 years previous and apparently made it into something that worked $191 million um, and a sequel yeah. uh, and, a, and, a, and a Broadway show, okay. <laughs> uh, whatever. And apparently, uh, there, well, there was one cartoon which had Oscar Isaac and Charlize Theron doing the Gomez and uh, Morticia parts. Yeah, that's the uh, most There's another one, one coming out later this year. Yep. <laughs> so there you go. Um, that's all I have for stuff. Uh, I, I had a, I had one. Did this? And I'm not even sure how to phrase this, because this comes up with t- with remakes of TV shows. Did they make good use of the fact that this was a movie versus a TV show? Did this feel more cinematic than the TV show? I'd say in certain ways, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like the <laughs> the expansion of the character of Thing. Uh, <laughs> Because yeah. in the in the TV show, it was literally Ted Cassidy's hand in a box. That's yeah. all they could and it, do. And it was much more limited, and it was a sight gag, literally. Yeah. But also, I thought the sheer number of family members in the Mamushka right. scene, you, I, I remember the show, you'd occasionally get cousin so-and-so or uncle so-and-so showing up, but never so many in one place. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they definitely used the bigger budget they mm-hmm. had to advantage and to, you know, larger cast, um, the scale of the sets, the level of detail in the sets, you know, like that sort of cuckoo clock egg just after the opening credits. Mm-hmm. That must have been incredibly expensive. Um, also, you know, is this for the kids? You notice that the Gomez <laughs> character is kissing her cleavage, yeah. which kind of bogged me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So, do you answer the question? Yes. Well, uh, it is that time. We're actually right up at the end of the clock here, so we should get to the the roundup. The roundup. So, Max. Yeah. Ha! (laughs) I saw you trying. You didn't. (sighs) You saw this when it came out. I did. And do you remember how you liked it then? I liked it a lot. I thought it was, when I first saw it, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was really funny. And again, even then, the casting blew me away. And now? And now I still really like it. I mean, some of it is aged a little. The the CG in the hurricane scene is really dated. There's some bad matte paintings. Although there were some bad matte paintings in the TV show, too. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Maybe that was referential. To me, this is just still so much fun to watch. If nothing else, like most of the cast looks like they're having a ball. I mean, Raul Julia, the joy he, he just comes out of him. And Angelica Houston, kudos to, she must have been in so much discomfort in that outfit. Yeah. And yet she just, she nails everything she does, every look, every line. And you know, when, as you say, when is Christopher Lloyd not fun to watch? Yeah. And we've already said, you know, Christina Ricci was the revelation of that movie. And even Lurch is a lot of fun. Herr von Halbwitz? Oh, I'm sorry, Max. Go ahead. No, no that's it. No. Herr von Halbwitz? I didn't see it in theaters. Um, I must have seen it at some point because when Max said, oh, the movie we're doing is The Addams Family, and I said, is it the one blah, blah, blah. Um, but there are lots of it I didn't remember, so a lot of it was a pleasant surprise. Um, so I can't say how well it aged for me because I don't think I'd seen the whole thing. That said, it was a lot of fun. And the next time I watch it, I'll gladly watch it again, if that makes sense. Sure. How about you? Um, I felt it was very 90s. 
Um, it kind of couldn't be more 90s if it tried. And I couldn't even tell you what about it was 90s or what even that means. But I watched this as like, oh, yeah, this was made in the 90s. Okay. Um, honestly, I think some of it drags. I think huh. there's some points that it just really comes to a halt. I was a little weirded out by the Adamses having to live in a motel. It just felt very fish out of a water, but not in an Adams family kind of way. Um, mm. But the casting's wonderful. Um, I think you're right. Everybody's having a really good time. Christina Ritchie, oh my God. I mean, even if she, if that's not like her at all, she just took it and said, like, this is my chance. And boy, was it. Um, it's cute. It didn't make me laugh. That's why I was wondering who it was for. Um, it has nice memories. I don't know that I'd go back to it so much again, but it really did capture as well as it could the feeling of the original show. I think they did a really good job without turning to parody. And I think we're probably going to run into that once yeah. or twice during this yeah. series. So, um, but Max, if you'd do us a favor, yes. would you let our listeners know how they can respond to this week's poll question, which if I remember is... That's your cue. Now, oh, we've been talking about how great the casting is in this movie. What is an example to you of a really stellar piece of movie casting where you looked at the character and you looked at the actor and you said, there's no one else who could have done this? And you can answer this question either uh, through the social mediatings of Facebook or Twitter. Please follow us on Twitter. Um, you can email us at us at maxmikemovies.com, which carries us flawlessly into the transition that we have a website, maxmikemovies.com, where you can leave a comment, find our back catalog of shows, uh, or you can text Mike directly at the following Stop. number. Stop! No. <laughs> and Weasel, no more references to the Star Wars Holiday Special. <sighs> Keep doing them, Weasel. <laughs> Although they were talking before we started, and if you, got, if you just punt and say, oh yeah, the Addams Family movie... Um, they will deduct bumpy bucks from your account if you quote that one. So yeah, keep that in mind. Yeah. True. Yeah, bumpy bucks. Bumpy and bucks. If, uh, this week, if you leave a comment on the website, oh, no, no. If you email us directly, yeah, you leave us a comment. Bumpy will leave something for you. <laughs> yes, it'll be brown and steaming, and you won't enjoy it at all. <laughs> so, but next week, what are we seeing? A movie. That'll Tune nice in, won't change. you? Thank you. <laughs> We're continuing our series, I Made From TV Love You. We're taking an old show from the 60s because, um, quite honestly, somehow Hollywood has not finished mining the 60s bear. <sighs> Um, we're going to go to 2009. We're going to take a big leap ahead. Uh, and we're not, we're not going to keep our sights low. We're going to have our sights high. They're going to be as high, higher than the sky. We're going to aim for the stars. Oh, no. We're going to go on a, a star mission. Wait, oh, no. A sort of a, a star trip? Yes, like that. A star journey? Track. Track. Oh, I hated Trek? it when they did that to me in, in grade school. Star Trek. The reboot, <laughs> the, we're not sure where this fits in, the, hey, how about these new young people instead of all those old people doing a Star Trek movie, movie called, um, not at all confusingly, Star Trek, um, starring Chris Pine and a bunch of other trees. <laughs> okay, so it's that version. So it's not yes. Star Trek, the motionless picture. No. It's Star Trek from 2009. Yes, 2009's Star Trek, 
starring all those people you don't remember except for one, and we'll get to that next week, won't we? But let's thank once more our special guest, Herr von Halbwitz, all the way from um, um, Dernstein or wherever he's from. <laughs> what he said. That too. So join for us for more of that next week, or more music and less Nesman. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.